91 Donkey Lane is a magical apartment complex that contains immense power, but lacks intelligent inhabitants. What is happening? I'm getting texts. Why are we getting a lot of texts? People found out what we did. Oh, dividing Mike Myers into an infinite amount of tiny Mike Myers. Listen to 91 Donkey Lane for free on Spotify or your favorite podcasting app. More at 91donkeylane.com. See you there, you donkeys. Do you like to laugh, geek out on music, and learn all about that band or artist who had that one song back in the day, but then seemed to fall off the face of the earth? If so, you need to subscribe to One Hit Thunder. Together with an array of interesting and hilarious guests, we do a weekly dive into one-hit wonders like Eiffel 65's Blue, Crayshon's Gucci Gucci, EMF's Unbelievable, Delamitri's Roll to Me, Los Del Rio's Macarena, Musical Youth's Pasta Duchy, and even Patrick Swayze's She's Like the Wind. So are you subscribed to One Hit Thunder or what? As Desiree would say, you gotta be. And as K7 would encourage, you gotta come baby come and join in on the fun of the One Hit Thunder podcast. And welcome to another horror movie night episode. And we're going to discuss. We this has been coming up a little bit more frequently. Actually, I would say it's probably been the last three of the five episodes we've done. But movies that we discussed back on Reddit Horror Club, and then we're like, man, those archives don't even exist anymore. And those were pretty good movies. So let's talk about them on the show with Halloween H two O, which I have gone on the record as saying that this is my absolute favorite Halloween movie. Nah. Good. Yeah. It's good. It's good. I like how Brian's like, no, 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 no. You're not allowed to have that opinion. Yeah, no, get out of here. Uh, and and there's stuff that we can certainly talk about with this movie. I think it's it's a fun movie. It's a, again, I, I say this a lot, but it is a blissfully short movie clocking in at like just 80 minutes. Yeah, I think that that's always how you say it. You're like, yeah, 80 minutes, man. Yeah, like, but there are things that I do want to discuss outside of the movie almost like an out like a a contextual discussion of halloween h2o in a weird way because what i love about halloween h2o and obviously this might be someone's double feature just don't say anything when i say it but like you can't ignore that this movie is taking 70 slasher films and applying that scream mythos to it like this movie flows like a scream movie so I don't want to jump. I, it's so far ahead, but the the what I noticed this watch for the first time that I thought was really cool is in Scream, Jamie Kennedy is watching Halloween when all the murders are going down in the house, and in this movie they're watching Scream, which I thought was a really cool. Callback. So I had just read about this and I thought it was kind of interesting was that they had a different movie when they shot it 
and then at the zero hour made the decision that, ooh, you know what, let's change this up and uh, make it scream instead. There's also the reference where Jamie Lee Curtis tells a character to go down to the Becker's house. Mm. So on the TV screen in the girls' room, they're watching Scream 2, which has numerous references to Halloween. However, according to the producer of the movie, when the scene was filmed, the girls were actually watching So I Married an Axe Murderer. This was for a different joke that a movie featuring Michael Myers had its characters watching a movie starring Mike Myers. Oh, that's funny. I kind of like that more. Yeah. That been way better. I thought that yeah. Scream was way too on the nose. I've always thought that it was like dumb that it was in this movie but i think that this like you know it's 10 minutes until the opening credits roll you know what i mean like you have this long drawn out kill a couple kills honestly including like one of the arguably biggest names in the movie obviously jo joseph gordon lovett is kind of more of a name now than ever before but this was like at the peak of third rock from the sun third where rock like sun, yeah so like he was he kind of was in a weird way that drew barrymore character where you're like oh this yeah. must be the character that we're following and then you have this long scene and then you cut to the credits and then you have like even stuff like the window the the shopping window fake out which i love where Lori looks up at the window and she sees Michael Myers behind her for a split second and turns around and it's her boyfriend. I've always said this, and I've talked to a bunch of other people who've talked about this before. The one moment in Scream that always feels way too weird for me is Ghostface being in the grocery store when they're walking around buying stuff for, for the Halloween mm -hmm. party. And I think in a weird way that that's... I, I've learned to interpret that as like, that's not actually him there. That's like, you know, like that's just like a an audience fake out because it doesn't make sense. They're on the lookout for people dressed like this. And the dude's just like walking around, peering around a corner, staring at Nev Campbell. I don't buy it. I don't buy it. But even just like, all, just the vibe of it, the whole vibe of it, the, the tone of it, the mix of the humor, it just is so engrossed in that dimension films era post-scream yeah. horror stuff. Well, isn't this the dimensions film? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But that's mm -hmm. what I mean. Like it's oozes all. And I do love... As much as we've talked about like how some of these movies don't hold up the way that they do, I do love 1996 to 2000 dimension films. Like, yeah. oh hell yeah, dude! Yeah. Like, they're like all even, fucking awesome. Yeah, like even the worst ones, I still enjoy watching because I just like the way that they were shot. Like, there's some really impressive camera movement that happens in this movie. <laughs> Like, there's a lot of cool camera shots. And I think that, that was a very, like, 90s... Um, I mean, unfortunately, the Weinsteins are attached in that sense. But it's, like, Weinstein's productions, be it, like, Tarantino or stuff, they always had these really crazy, constantly moving camera scenes. And I think that that's a big benefit. That like the But also, like, not to cut you off, man, no, no, but no, just, fine. you know, to protect ourselves. I mean, the Weinsteins are, are fucking scumbags. We, we know that, and... When it comes to watching movies, just remember all they did was put fucking money in. Yeah. Like they have no credit in any fucking movie that's being made. They're Harvey just like Weinstein a rapey like, bank. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. They weren't like, hey, you should try to swoop in on this. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? They just fucking threw out money and made money off of it. And we're shitty human beings. And I do love that right out the gate. It's also a movie that knows that it is tied to they're, they're trying to keep as tied into the original mythos as they can so like kicking it off with mr sandman is like a nice little touch like uh and you know how you are constantly like you know i don't think i've ever met a cover of i put a spell on you that i didn't didn't like yeah, and for that's me you mr sandman that's mr sandman for me can't go wrong with mr sandman i literally have never heard a bad cover of it Ooh. i mean you can hear 
I'm sure that there are bad like uh, performances of it because it is a very difficult song to play or to perform rather because it's it's a lot of acapella yeah it's a lot of acapella and it's and it's and it's cool because it's like syncopating voices for like three women I think is what the original was listeners do not go looking for a bad cover because I just won't watch it or I won't listen to it I know that the answer is gonna be no for this because there's no reason why Scott would have ever watched this movie but Brian did you ever see eight heads in a duffel bag. Yeah, I was actually just telling Jade about that. Well, I'm surprised you guys haven't flew. picked that for the Patreon because it's a terrible yeah, was, movie. It's a yeah, it's exactly. not a very good movie. But it's, I think about that every time we fly, like yeah. because I have the John Smith of suitcases, so it's very tough. Like I have to read tags every time I'm at the airport because there's like seven silver suitcases exactly like mine. Uh, and I brought that up to Jade. I was like, "You ever see eight heads in a duffel bag?" And she's like, "No, it sounds terrible." I was like, "It is," but. Yeah. Uh, I keep thinking one day I'm going to grab a suitcase and there's just going to be like body parts or just like a shitload of cocaine in, in my suitcase. Which which one would be worse for you though? Because I actually think that the that the cocaine would be worse for you because you'd be like, <laughs> no. See, I I I would rather cocaine because I'm poor. So like oh, if you I sell found yeah like if I found you can sell body parts fucking, didn't you watch body parts <laughs> but that's too that's too difficult like let's say I found like a hundred grand worth of cocaine in a suitcase right I would sell that to someone for like two hundred dollars just to get it you know what I mean just to like get it off You're of terrible me. businessman yeah yeah just like here give me two hundred you know and sell this now brian do you remember why i mentioned eight heads in a duffel bag oh, oh yeah we got it like yeah. why oh, yeah sorry do you <laughs> know do you remember day. why this ties into mr sandman no so, i mean i haven't seen it in years so this is the only part i remember about the movie so the the concept of eight heads in a duffel bag is that joe pesci is a hitman he kills eight dudes and cuts off their heads and puts them in a duffel bag and he's going to return them to the person who hired him for the hit to prove that he did the hit uh and then through some wacky circumstances a college student grabs the bag of heads and he grabs the college student's bag of college clothes wait the heads don't actually talk no, 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 no. So, so. Oh, now I remember. Yeah, Scott, so, Scott's saying that made me remember why so, it's relevant now. So there's, <laughs> there's a dream sequence where Joe Pesci, towards the end of the movie, finally gets the heads back, and he lines them up on a table, and he wakes up to a nightmare that all the heads are singing Mr. Sandman to him. I completely forgot until <laughs> Scott said they don't talk, and I was like, wait, they do. Oh, <laughs> yeah, it's well, just. I, w I would want to watch a movie where this hitman is basically like haunted by these heads <laughs> in a duffel bag, like, hey. Let me out! I gotta show your I mean, that, you know, that's, <laughs> that's actually a great concept for a movie, but yeah, it's it's. I love so, that. Have you ever seen Voices? That's like very much like that. No. Yeah, with, yeah, with Ryan Reynolds. Yeah, I love it, that. That shit. movie was really hard to watch. Yeah, because it was funny. It was it was like a it's, roller coaster because you're like yeah, laughing it's very and then funny, you're but it's very, also very very, very serious. Yeah, yeah, like painfully serious. And it doesn't have a good transition. Like, no, you just like you're just like ha ha ha. ha. <laughs> now, while we're talking about the music in this movie, I do want to say that one of the other things I like in this movie is that they actually, I really like this weird orchestrated version of the Halloween theme where you still have the piano piece going, but you have this very big, like it just sounds big. This orchestra behind it just makes everything kind of feel bigger. Do you think that if you have sex with an orchestra behind you, It'll make things look bigger. Yeah. Good plan. Oh. I'm taking notes. Take notes. And the second song in this movie is Josh Hartnett. 
He's hanging out with his girl. And I hear a sound. That's Michelle Williams, dude, not just his girl. He's hanging out with Michelle Williams. And I hear a guitar riff that I've heard a million times. And then I hear the most angelic voice in music history go, Hooray for the child who makes it through. And Josh Hartnett is just hanging out with Michelle Williams listening to What's This Life For by Creed for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> and, like, and I don't know why, but man. Oh, there it is. <laughs> I forgot. It's way too long till he sings. So yeah. we're just going to leave it yeah. at that. But yeah. We so, are also going to be waiting for 45 seconds. Yeah. But like Dimension Films fucking was all about throwing Creed in their movie soundtracks. So much to the point that... <laughs> That Scream Three had two Creed songs in it. Oh, I remember they that. They're a music video. Yeah, because that dude. I know music videos are basically dead, but man, just making little music videos semi relevant to the movie was so awesome. Like oh. What If and Teenage Dirtbag. Yeah, that was just oh, like, the Teenage I- Dirtbags <laughs> of the world were so good. But then yeah. there were really mediocre ones like Can't Get Enough You Baby and like. That is the worst sin because that's one of my all-time favorite teen comedies. So I will yeah. say the worst one, and we talked about it on One Hit Thunder, is the music video for The Proclaimers, I Would Walk 500 Miles, because that was, I mean, it was a song from the 80s, but it didn't hit in America until 1993 when it was in the Johnny Depp movie, Benny and June. And the whole oh, mu- really? Yeah. And the whole music uh. video is just the proclaimers standing in front of a green screen that's playing clips of Benny and June behind them. See, but, like, that's different. Like, taking clips of the movie is not, like, and that's where it separates, like... Oh, you're talking about, like, uh, what hiring... And, yeah, like, teenage dirt. Hiring the like, actors they hire to the actors. show up. Yeah. Yeah, and told a completely different story. Yeah. No, I do, I do like that. And then... Also, I think they covered I'm 18 for the faculty soundtrack. Like, Creed yeah. was everything that Dimension... I don't know what the contract was that fucking Wind Up Records had with, with Dimension Films. Wind Up Records, man. <laughs> but they were getting in there for sure. I love I'm 18 because it is. it sounds like a DVDA song. <laughs> Specifically, their cover. I'm a boy and I'm a man. (laughs) Well, I know what I need to do this afternoon. Make Uh, a cover that's a DVDA version of I'm 18. So the the other so we've named some of the big names that that pop up in this movie at that time, but we haven't named the best. Is it LL Cool J? Uh, It's definitely not LL Cool J. It is definitely Jodie Lynn O'Keefe. Yeah. Okay. Ella uh, deserved a better death. Oh, she did, and I love her. Like, it's so funny as an adult because in high school when she was the bitchy girl and she's all that and the bitchy girl and whatever it takes, I was like, she's so hot, but she's so mean. Like, I don't know, understand mm-hmm. how to handle these feelings that I have for Jodie Lynn O'Keefe because she's absolutely my type. She's got blonde, uh, blue eyes and dark hair. So in this movie, she's just so cute. And she doesn't last long enough, and it's just such a, an ignominious death, you know? Just yeah. pisses me off. You don't even see him doing it. But speaking of her, like this is getting a little off topic, but we're going to go with it, because you bringing that up reminds me, like, when I was a kid, I didn't really understand actors and actresses. 
So like, yeah, she was a mean person. And what really threw me off was, um, what was that cheerleader movie about the robbery? Uh, Sugar, and, Sugar spice. and Spice. Oh Sugar my and God. Spice. I was so confused because I saw whatever it takes first. And then I'm watching Sugar and Spice and I'm like, why are you so mean now? You're a nice lady. Because the <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, the next door neighbor is like the leader of the cheerleader pack in Sugar oh, and Spice. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. Marla yeah, Sokolov? Yeah. Yeah. That should be a Patreon because I would love to rewatch that. I yeah. haven't seen that in a while. So I mentioned LL Cool J. I feel like if anyone besides LL Cool J played this character, the character would have died and stayed dead. And the only reason I say that is because I feel like that is something I could say about any movie that LL Cool J plays a character in is that his <laughs> character always just unexplicably survives at the end of the movie, uh, be it Deep Blue Sea or, or Halloween H2O. And I don't know why that is. I guess he just has the clout to be like, I want to be in a horror movie, but I definitely don't want to die. I want to survive till the end, which like kudos for him, especially in a time period where people of color were not making it to the end of slasher movies with oh, regularity. And they made jokes about it. I love Ver Plus was confused by the first scene of him. And he's talking to someone on the phone about his romance novel and they get upset when he says round melon breasts and it's not until she says we were just married that i realized it wasn't his mom on the other line of the phone because <laughs> the woman doing the voice sounds like she's like 20 years older than ll cool j maybe he's into that don't kink shame bro that's, that's true that is that is true the movie has also, one of the other things that I think ties to that Dimension Films thing, and for better or for worse. Well, first of all, the stuntman does some crazy shit that I don't think I've seen any other, like, Michael Myers stuntman have to do. Like, when he gets, like, flipped off the balcony back into the table. Mm -hmm. There's some, just some crazy hits that the stuntman takes where I feel like Michael Myers doesn't really usually take that many crazy pratfalls. But there's so many, like, trailer moments that stick out in my brain to this day of like Michael Myers lowering himself from the ceiling directly behind Laurie. Oh, that part's so dumb though. I, I mean, I'm not saying that it's good, but it's like Dimension Films knew how to cut a trailer to like give you scenes like them looking at each other through the glass. Through the people, yeah, or the, the porthole. That, yeah. that is the super, super famous part to me. Yeah, that, I mean, that whole scene I actually really, really like, even when they're Josh Hartnett and Michelle Williams are like back against the wall as he's trying to get them through the fence. And Dimension Films always use a weird sound for like a knife like apparently just the act of swinging a knife would make it be like, like but it's so that like as soon as you started talking about that i knew what sound it was and i had an immediate wave of nostalgia because it's just like i don't know i also think that that sound effect might go back to the mustafa akkad days before dimension films got halloween because what was Halloween 4 and 5? Was that New Line? That sound effect, I'm pretty sure, is kind of like a Michael Myers motif, you know? But like that sound, because I've watched 4 and 5 so many more times than I've watched H2O. I've probably only seen it 4 or 5 times. And I've seen Halloween 4 probably 30 times in my life easily. I mean, like, it, it's the most watched Halloween movie, like, of the franchise for me, but... I'm pretty sure that that sound is is kind of like a, an audio motif that they use with Michael. You know what I just realized after Scott brought up Halloween 4 is obviously Halloween 1 and 2 are the best, in my opinion. But I think 4 and H2O are the best of the sequels. But for some reason, because they're so far apart, but they both have like the two, they both are like fighting for the spot of like 
the two worst looking Michael Meyer masks. And you know, and people franchise. bitch about that all the time. I don't think that anybody remembers how bad the Michael Five or the Halloween Five mask looked. Like, yeah, I, I don't care about the four mask. I mean, like, I personally prefer the original Halloween mask. I think that that's the only one that really makes sense. Mm-hmm. But the five mask is god awful. You know, like, it, the, I, and when people bitch about the H2O mask, I'm like, I don't even care. You know, like, is, the five so is it not? Are they just doing different faces? Like, Matt, you you would know this. Like, I, I honestly, Michael Myers was always kind of low ranking for me as like just a slasher in general. And I don't know why I was so obsessed with him. Yeah. Because so, I don't even think that he's scary. I just think that I, maybe it's just because it all happens on Halloween night. Yeah. That's that's a big selling point. So I, I actually really only have one other big thing that I want to talk about, but it's it's a pretty all-encompassing conversation which is the ending of this movie so we all know that halloween resurrection kind of changes the ending of this movie says that that wasn't michael myers under the mask it was the emt and that michael myers switched places with him or whatever yeah as i'm watching the movie doesn't really make a ton of sense it doesn't make a ton of sense but Watching it, knowing that, like as an adult, the you know, acting, the, the acting, acting is it, it fits. Yeah, and that's the thing that's crazy because there's that specifically the thing I think about is when, after he's hit by the truck, when he comes to, he's grabbing the mask in confusion. Mm-hmm. I'm like, man, did they know that that was always going to be the plan? Was that something that they filmed a very specific way just in case? Like, I'm pretty sure you have to. I mean, look at it. They're literally their livelihood is based on this franchise. It seems. Yeah, and so they're about to cut their head off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so they have to at least leave a door open to be able to take some vacations in the next ten years. <laughs> but yeah, I really. You're talking about a slasher movie. You're talking about ultimately most of the time, the the death of the slasher is not great. I feel like historically, mm-hmm. like especially Freddy Krueger, as much as I love Freddy Krueger, I I'm very hard pressed for like a good way that Freddy Krueger has been killed in any of the movies. And the worst one is in the first movie. Yeah, he just got. <laughs> yeah, it's it's always appears. It's always not great. I love the ending of this movie because it's basically just like swift swing of an axe, head decapitated, fade to black. Here's the theme song. <laughs> like it, it yep. doesn't linger on it. It's it's. I would argue of all of the ways that like a major slasher in a franchise film has been killed, Halloween H two O literally might be. I think the best one. <laughs> it's up there. I can't. I mean, you. I would be hard pressed to find. Like, off the top of my head, anything that, that comes even close. Well, because so many of them are just like, ooh, there's just an imprint in the ground where the body used to be. Like, that's how, like, Halloween ends. That's how, like, half of the Friday the 13th fucking movies end. Like, oh, and dude, like, Friday the 13th is so absurd with the way that they kill Jason. It's just so dumb. I mean, I, I've been thinking about Monster Squad a lot lately, as uh, I'm sure everyone will understand. And I'll, I'll explain why as we do the wrap up on this week's episode. But I do have to love the parody of Friday the 13th. One of my favorite lines of dialogue in Monster Squad when he wants to go see Groundhog's Day 7, I think it is, or something ridiculous. Yeah. And his dad's like, I thought they killed him in the last one. He's like, well, he came back. And he's like, if they blew him up, chopped up all the pieces yeah. that remained and shipped him to other countries, he'd still come back. And he's like, that's what they did in part four. Yeah, <laughs> like... I love that line so much. <laughs> well, so I want to talk about one little thing. After the Janet Lee cameo, who is Jamie Lee Curtis's mom, Jamie Lee Curtis says that she's 37. 
I believe. In a row? Which means, what? Oh, God damn it. <laughs> Fuck out of here. She says that she's 37. That means that she had Josh Hartnett. She had him at what, 20? We'll say 19 or 20. 18. Eight or 19. She had him at 19 if, he, if she's 37 here. And I'm looking at her and I'm like, I'm 38. She does not look 37 to me. She looks <laughs> yeah. like 47. And then I, I did the math and she was 40 in this. And I'm like, God damn. Yeah. She does not look 40 in this. I'm sorry. I mean, like, but that's the thing is that this movie came out in 2000, right? Or no, 1998 because it's a 20 year anniversary. It came out in 1998. And so that means that it's 22 years old this year. Yeah. yeah. She's looked 40 for 22 years. Like she just looks the exact same now. Yeah. <laughs> so, so you mentioned that. And I think that we should talk about a little bit with Jamie Lee Curtis in this movie. Because infamously, Josh Hartnett wasn't sure if he even wanted to do this movie. Because when he heard that they were making a Halloween 7, he thought for sure it was going to go straight to video. And it was the addition of Jamie Lee Curtis that made him decide to do it. And Jamie Lee Curtis has said that the reason that she did it, which, I mean, this is always like actor speak. I'm sure a paycheck was a really good reason to do it. But she said that in her mind, any success that she had all stemmed from the fact that she did these types of movies as a young star and that like she wanted to kind of do a thank you. She, I'm sure at this point she had hit a couple conventions and there certainly weren't people coming up to talk to her about Trading Places. They were coming up to talk to her about Halloween and Terror Train and Prom Night and The Fog and all of those kind of schlocky movies that she did back in the 70s and early 80s. Good for her. Yeah, nice. Just a nice little pin in that story. Because I usually side with the actors, but if they're like that, it's cool. Yeah. You know? Because I'm, I'm not one of those people that's like, you know, we... we you know, they, they follow their dream. They did stuff that's awesome. I, I love horror. I love when someone does horror. I What I don't like about the horror community is, like, the mindset where it's, like, you owe us your life. Yeah. Like, come to oh, conventions. Oh, yeah, they don't owe us shit. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I side with Scott in the sense where it's, like, if you are going to a convention, go what you did. Like, don't decide to go to a horror convention and then huff and puff the whole time you're there. But you also wait, wait, wait. When did I say this? <laughs> maybe, maybe you didn't. But I side with myself then. <laughs> I side with myself. Do the job that you that you decided to do. Yeah, you're an actor. Put on a show. Pretend yeah. that you love that you're there. Dance monkey. Yeah. Like I mean, like I hate this, and I know that she's not. But like for all we know, Felissa Rose could absolutely despise going to horror conventions. But when she shows up, she's got a big old smile. She's happy to meet everybody. She wants to talk. Like, all I'm asking is just don't sit there and look like you're pissed off that I have to pay you money for an autograph. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, that's, I don't think that's a big ask. <laughs> the last thing I want to say about this movie is Jody Lynn O'Keefe's light bulb body. It's like super grotesque and it kind of doesn't fit with what Michael Myers does. I know that what they were doing was kind of like taking the concept of what in the first Halloween when he took Judith's body and like set it up with her gravestone in the house for, for Jamie to find. Uh, you know, I, I get that. But at the same time, I don't really feel like Michael Myers is the kind of I don't think he's smart enough, you know, like. I've, I've always thought that we've we said that when we talked about the most recent remake as well with the jack-o'-lantern head yeah we I fucking like, hated that it doesn't make any sense yeah. that he would be like I understand that they're trying to show him to be like 
brutal and evil, but if you're brutal and evil, why would you take the time to make some body art? Exactly. You know? And that's, I, I always think that that's like the weird balance. Like as much as I don't like the Jason movies either, I do like them more than the Halloween movies. Cause the Jason movies, it's literally just like, yeah, he just killed him and then he's moving on. You know what I mean? Like he doesn't, he doesn't have time for, for theatrics, except for the few times where he does have time for theatrics, but whatever, you know what I mean? I don't know. I'm rambling. 91 Donkey Lane is a magical apartment complex that contains immense power, but lacks intelligent inhabitants. What is happening? I'm getting texts. Why are we getting a lot of texts? People found out what we did. Oh, dividing Mike Myers into an infinite amount of tiny Mike Myers. Listen to 91 Donkey Lane for free on Spotify or your favorite podcasting app. More at 91donkeylane.com. See you there, you donkeys. Do you like to laugh, geek out on music, and learn all about that band or artist who had that one song back in the day, but then seemed to fall off the face of the earth? If so, you need to subscribe to One Hit Thunder. Together with an array of interesting and hilarious guests, we do a weekly dive into one-hit wonders like Eiffel 65's Blue, Crayshon's Gucci Gucci, EMF's Unbelievable, Delamitri's Roll to Me, Los Del Rio's Macarena, Musical Youth's Past the Duchy, and even Patrick Swayze's She's Like the Wind. So are you subscribed to One Hit Thunder or what? As Desiree would say, you gotta be. And as K7 would encourage, you gotta come baby come and join in on the fun of the One Hit Thunder podcast. Hey, double features. <laughs> you know, I I don't think I wrote down a double feature for this. Oh, but how the turntables. So I guess if we're just talking about Halloween, if, if I'm watching this movie on Halloween, I got to go with probably my favorite seasonal like October movie, which is Sleepy Hollow. Is that okay? That's fair. That's fair. And there's no other reason, but except for the fact that, okay, well, Michael Myers gets beheaded. So there you go. Head trauma in both movies. There you go. I think for me, I'm going to go with Scream 2. Uh, not just because it was... I mean, obviously, it's it's in the movie, so that makes you go, huh, maybe I'll watch that next. But also, I feel like as much as this is inspired by that aesthetic of Scream, it actually feels more Scream 2 in the sense that it's like at a college campus and like all of that extra element of it. The characters just... Or it's at a private school. But it has that extra feeling of like they're on a campus together type vibe. And the way that, you know, they're running around on the campus just reminds me of moments in, in Scream 2. I would do this with uh, New Nightmare. Wes Craven's New Nightmare. Oh, dude, I love New Nightmare. It's so fun. Yeah. And I think that they both like they both come around the same time in the series. And they're a nice break from like the direction that the series was heading. Plus, I, I actually feel like. New Nightmare is the scary Freddy. Like it's the scariest Freddy to me. I think that's yeah, because it's it's real. It's like real world, you know. And it's a great marketing scheme that didn't work. It's like a hey, as soon as we stop making these movies, he's real and we'll murder all of you. Yeah. <laughs> Let's talk about things that we've seen that we want to tell other people to check out. Scott, again, how about we start with you? I want to talk about something that's you know Halloween y, but I I I feel like. You know, I don't really have anything that's new and interesting that I've that I've watched, you know, that's Halloween-esque. But I do want to say that I rewatched Suicide Squad. 
and oh man, it's worse than I remembered. And it's not even like a fun bad movie, it's just a bad movie. And this is coming from a straight slut for superhero movies. Like, if it's bad, I'm still watching it. I don't, I mean, the only one that I haven't touched is Green Lantern. That's literally the only one I haven't seen of all of the dozens of, of uh, modern superhero movies that have been made. Because of this is like, this is because I'm, I'm on this superhero kick because The Boys season two is on. And um, I've already talked about how fucked up and, and great this season is. I've just been jonesing, so I watched Suicide Squad. Terrible. I watched Avengers Infinity War. Great. I watched Avengers Endgame. Well, actually, Avengers Infinity War is a lot slower than and longer than it needs to be, and that I remember it being. And then I watched Endgame, and I was like, God, this movie's so fucking long. <laughs> I mean, it's just, we don't need three-hour superhero movies. I get why they're doing it, but, you know, I, I it makes me want to go back and... This is crazy to say, but rewatch Spider-Man 2, like Raimi's Spider-Man 2, because that movie has a great speed it's tempo it's pace it's great it's fun it's very comic booky it's by a horror director you know like so it has the doc ox scene is is a straight horror scene like it's actually you know like the cinematography is is evil dead too in my 100 percent. did you guys have gamecubes back in the day around that time around spider-man 2 time so i had a gamecube short-lived do you sell it for drugs yes and I thought so. <laughs> I thought that that was a story. I only bought it for one reason, and I had the one game that I bought it for, which was um, they did a Metal Gear Solid that was pretty much just like a revamp of Metal Gear Solid yeah. that had some of the like newer guns from the other series. So I got a GameCube just for that game. This is the only time in my life that I've like legitimately played a shitload of video games like consecutively and consistently was for a couple years in college there when I had a GameCube. But that Spider-Man game that came out, that would have been summer of 2004 when Spider-Man 2 came out. That game was cool as fuck because it was actually kind of open world almost. Not not like the, the new Spider-Man games where you can literally web sling around New York City as much as you want. But it was like pretty immersive at the time because you could go off on side quests and stop robbers and you know it was really really fun when quarantine first started i dug up my old super nintendo and set it up in my room for a couple days and uh, i'll say maximum carnage was like just a fun if i just wanted to throw on something oh, and i never play. played it it's just a, it's a regular ass beat-em-up video game yeah but it, it's just fun you climb some walls you punch some some criminals i watched which i should have watched probably two years ago but i finally got around to watching summer of 84 just a well-paced well-made movie like it's a it yeah, takes a while to good. get where it needs to go but when it gets there it's it's a good time also that guy plays such a fucking prick in uh mad men in mad men um and also he in the first season of glow that it's just like with jody lynn o'keefe you're like why are you a bad person? <laughs> <laughs> he's probably like the I'm sweetest guy. I'm sure he's guy. a fine person. He's like the sweetest yeah. guy behind the scenes probably. And you're just like, son of a bitch. I watched The Social Dilemma last night. Well, most of it. And then I started to fall asleep and went to bed. So Matt Matt brought it up to me, which is, you know, I'm not saying this is why Matt brought it up or not. But uh, there is a cover of I Put a Spell on You on there. Um, <laughs> there is. <laughs> so I'm sure. I'm sure are you that, fucking kidding? Yeah. No, no. So I said this in the group chat. Scott has a lot going on. So I will not task him with this. But any listeners, I will send you a random DVD of mine. It will not be. It, it may not be horror. <laughs> it might be. If you will record a song for me, it will be Madonna's Like a Virgin. 
Uh, but it's called I Like That Version, and it'll be from Matt's perspective of him just complimenting every cover of I Put a Spell on You. Uh, I will <laughs> give you something. I might even give you one of my VHSs. I got some Ninja Turtle VHSs, the, the cartoon. So, you know, take me up on that offer. I think that last podcast on the left reviewed this movie perfectly, which was like it is everything that we kind of already know, but it's still good to watch because it really goes into depth on like how – dangerous and how serious it is and then just to be warned like they warned us the reenactments are fucking awful oh they're terrible um the, the, especially the, like, for like legitimate actors and yeah, actresses they're, like they're actual people i've seen in things uh but yeah, yeah. The, the narrative the narrative stuff is really really dumb but the actual like interviewing the people who built the algorithms to basically Mm -hmm. make sure that social media has you pissed off at all times and them explaining why it's like oh yeah that's why we don't let our kids on there and we like like they know that they created something evil and they just actively don't use it because of that so like yeah it it, uh it is very eye eye eye-opening and uh alarming at, at times and like you said it's stuff that we already knew but like hearing it explained in the simplest terms you're just like okay got it understand it i see how this creates reactions and personality traits in like people who are my friends, people who are my enemies, family members. Like I, I can see each one of them and how, what it talks about plays out in their overall personality. Yeah. And I think, I think they did a really good job, even though it's a documentary. I like, I can almost compare it to like the big short and vice where like they were able to take something that is very complex and very complicated and dumb it down enough and put it in such good layman's terms that like anyone can kind of understand it. Like they really do break down the algorithms very, very well to, if you kind of did, if I did the research on myself, I would probably just be confused on what I was reading. Yeah, no, I agree. So the only other thing I want to talk about before we wrap this up, well, actually, I guess there's two things I want to talk about before we wrap this up. But first, uh, I'll do the selfish thing first, uh, which is that if you go over to Amazon.com or really any video on demand, uh, just a week away from the premiere of Wolfman's Got Nards, the Monster Squad documentary that your boy is in, uh, rocking his horror movie night t-shirt. From what I understand, I haven't seen it, but from what I'm told, every time I pop up on the screen, it says Matt Kelly horror movie night podcast, uh, which is awesome. Hopefully, uh, some of you, who knows, maybe you're listening to this as your first episode because you saw that and said, Ooh, what's the horror movie night podcast? I don't know. But, uh, if you haven't checked it out yet, uh, obviously we've talked about monster squad. I've talked about monster squad a million times. It's one of the best movies in the world. I love it to death so go and check out that documentary when it's available on video on demand or if you're really feeling like you need that physical copy the dvd and blu-rays are available they're only like 16 dollars on amazon right now so that was uh, a very easy decision for me to grab that pre-order and then also obviously we are just two weeks away from a big election we're not going to tell you who to vote for we're not going to tell you how to vote but i do think that you should at least consider voting no don't consider it fucking vote yeah it is your duty as a patriot and an american to fucking vote boom and we've got a little bit more halloween goodness around the corner because we've got one more spooky movie to talk about and it's kids movie that you've probably seen so (laughs) tune in for that next week and we'll be back with another horror movie night
listening to the Geekscape Network. 91 Donkey Lane is a magical apartment complex that contains immense power, but lacks intelligent inhabitants. What is happening? I'm getting texts. Why are we getting a lot of texts? People found out what we did. Oh, dividing Mike Myers into an infinite amount of tiny Mike Myers. Listen to 91 Donkey Lane for free on Spotify or your favorite podcasting app. More at 91donkeylane.com. See you there, you donkeys. Do you like to laugh, geek out on music, and learn all about that band or artist who had that one song back in the day, but then seemed to fall off the face of the earth? If so, you need to subscribe to One Hit Thunder. Together with an array of interesting and hilarious guests, we do a weekly dive into one-hit wonders like Eiffel 65's Blue, Krayshawn's Gucci Gucci, EMF's Unbelievable, Delamitri's Roll to Me, Los Del Rio's Macarena, Musical Youth's Pasta Duchy, and even Patrick Swayze's She's Like the Wind. So are you subscribed to One Hit Thunder or what? As Desiree would say, you gotta be. And as K7 would encourage, you gotta come baby come and join in on the fun of the One Hit Thunder podcast. You're listening to the Geekscape Network.